Boom. Hello and welcome to the Protector Nation podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place, making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, because we all know that you have a few basic needs, food, water, and shelter, but you also have the need to protect those things in a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked. Learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. Boom! Yeah, what's going on, you guys? Byron Rogers here, hanging with another special guest today to help good people become more willing, capable, and prepared to protect themselves and their families. I've got the man, Tim Larkin, here with me today. How you doing, brother? Really good, Brian. Good to see you, man. Outstanding. It's always an honor when I can... um, I mean, this podcast has been a great excuse to cross paths with gentlemen like yourself who've You've been in the game doing this stuff for a long time. So thanks so much for your time and, and, and the contribution, you know, to the demo. Oh, yeah, of course. of course. Awesome. Awesome, man. So um, I guess we'll jump right into it. Uh, you know, who are you at your core, brother? You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I used to think that I was a guy that would teach people, you know, my, my whole, my, my goal was to teach people the system that I, that I teach, you know, meaning up to instructor and beyond, if you want to do that, you know, I think we all kind of start out that way. And I quickly realized if you're going to be dealing with the general public, that that represents a really small part of, of your group. And really what I focused on since 9-11 is just understanding that the vast majority of people really have no idea what to do when it comes to their own self-protection and that they don't necessarily want to do what we do. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, the, the group, most of the people who'd be motivated watching this podcast and everything uh, probably are training, probably are, have, have gone out there and did it, but, but you actually represent a very small part of, of the general public. But the general public is very concerned about, you know, how to protect themselves, how to minimize the chance of violence coming into our life. And when I switched my focus to handle those people, you realize it's, it, it was really rewarding. Um, so my, my things changed. Listen, I've done all the military and law enforcement, fantastic. All the units that exist and don't exist, all that stuff is great. But I expect those guys to do well. What, what's really rewarding for me, and I didn't really understand it until right after 9-11, you know, when you have a doctor who is going in to do a surgery and gets attacked, you know, in the parking lot and is able to protect himself and go in and perform the surgery and literally save somebody's life, which happened, you know, uh, to me one time that blew away anything I got from any of my military or law enforcement guys. And, and, and they've done some heroic stuff, but again, they put themselves in the arena. What's more rewarding is when somebody who should never should experience violence was able to take methods or principles that you put out and protect themselves in the most unlikely of circumstances. I mean, if you looked at, if you looked at both sides, you would think, Oh my God, this guy has no chance. Right. And, um, you know, your, your training makes a difference. So it's changed over the years. I, I kind of went from more of a hardcore, I don't want to train civilians. I don't want to trade the real guys to, you know, now I'm, I'm, I still do that. In fact, we just did it last weekend with a group, but what's interesting is um, I, I think the general public, I think we are in a really strange time right now. Obviously we can easily say that, but I don't think our information, this industry's information has ever been more needed. And, uh, I, I like to be one of the voices that's, that's doing that. 
Awesome. Yeah, man, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, violence is kind of spilling out into people's lives that I don't think ever expected it. It always we've always known it. It always could because we live that yeah. lifestyle. But um, you know, people just driving home and running into roadblocks and things that are taking place in their neighborhoods while they're trying to stay in their homes or the businesses. Um, I think there's no, there, this has been a very, it is a very crucial time for America. That's, you know, it's, I'm glad to join in with the protector nation and the things you're doing, man. Um, I originally was exposed to your brand through that, through, uh, your book, when violence is the answer. And as a protector, man, I like, if I could make that book into like a meal and force every <laughs> civilian I know to eat it and like stand over and be like, yeah. you need this information. That's what I would have done. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, that was a beautiful piece of work. It's funny too, because, you know, violence, you're using the term violence. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a buzzword. Was, it, it hurt. It, it hurt my, like it kept me off of uh, bestseller lists and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, you know, people just are very uncomfortable with the term. And that's specifically why I used it, because I think right. when you use imprecise terms like fight, you know, fights are a really dodgy term because, you know, you can fight with your buddy, you can fight with your boss, you can fight with your wife, you can. And those things all mean different things. But when we say violence, we all understand, oh, OK, this is this is where the physical plane's been crossed. And, you know, what do I do? Because there's very little good information um, about that. You know, situation. You know, what do you what do you do when you're facing literally even uh, grievous bodily harm? Had you a choice, you would have you you would talk your way out of it. Didn't do that. Can't can't leave now. It's it's going to happen. And usually, when we get to that point, it used to be that people would always say, "Well, you know," and I'm talking law enforcement, military operators too. You know, when they get to that wow. level, of the force continuum or the or the rules of engagement, the uh, when you got to you know weapons free officers able to fight or operators able to fight for their life. Yeah. They would basically say, do whatever it takes, dot, 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 you know? Yeah. So so when you need the most specific information, uh, you know, in the most extreme circumstances, there's very little good information. And I, I always found it interesting because, you know, somebody like yourself, it, it resonated with, it, it resonates with new people, you know, people new to the subject. But what was really rewarding was, was you know, guys like you and other guys that reached out to me and just said, man, you know, you just put it in a way that really yeah. made a lot of sense. And I'm going to use that. And, and I encourage everybody. I mean, listen, there's no none of us have a patent on violence. It's as old as, you know, it's as old as you know, human race. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we all have different ways of expressing it. And if my if my communication style or my principles and the way I talk about it is helpful to somebody. Great. Cause I can't wait to see what people do with what where we're at right now with. You know, I mean, that was I have one more book that's going to be coming out in, in another year. And that's probably going to be my 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 last, you know, my last True information draw. on that subject. Yeah, that, yeah, that's probably going to be it. And and then what's interesting about that and what's exciting about that is to see, yeah. I want to see what the next generation is going to do with that information. Where are they going to wow. take it? You know, yeah. because I've had a great career and, and I'm not retiring or anything yet right now. But I, what's interesting is I think we have a lot of great young guys coming up who are eager to, you know, take over and, and you know, keep charging forward, you know, helping people out. So, you know, if I can be a small part of, uh, of getting them to think differently about the subject, that's great. And I really appreciate the feedback that you just gave me on that. Cause it's, it's, it's nice to hear that. Heck yeah, man. 100%. And you have, I mean, you've produced, well, the, the book just struck a chord to the core of me as a protector. And I was like, people need to know about this. <laughs> I was like, you know, there's, there's certain guys out there. I see their work and I'm like, this needs to get out to them. People need to know about this. Uh, and, um, 
you have an immense body of work. You've got a lot of different things that are out there online that we will probably get into towards the end, but um, you know, you've created like a little world for people to really dive into, which I, I love yeah. seeing that too. So that's, that's awesome. And you know, the part everyone dreads, that, you know, background, man, let them know exactly who you are, what you've done. You, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. So I'm gonna let you go ahead and break it down for, for folks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I won't, I'm going to really try to give you the reader's digest version because yeah, it, it led to what I was doing. Basically just, you know, I was a Navy kid. Um, my dad was an officer in the Navy, moved all around. One of the last bases that we that we lived on was Coronado, California. My dad took over a ship across the, the bay there. And that's when I was introduced to this concept, these these crazy guys called frogmen and, you know, seals. And we're like, what? Who are these guys? I literally, yeah. when you looked out my backyard, there was this highway, the Silver Strand Highway. And right across the street in the fence, you know, Bob wire fence, there was the Bud's uh, um, obstacle course. And I was introduced to it. <laughs> I, I just turned 12 years old. Yeah. And and that was what I saw, you know. And back then it was really interesting because it was, you know, early uh, early 80s. You know, it, it the, the, the that part of the community was really not talked about. And it was, I didn't even know it existed, even though I had lived in Norfolk, Virginia, um, you know, in the base there in Little Creek, because my dad was in the amphibious Navy. But I didn't even know about the the SEAL teams then. Of course, I was littler back then. But at right. 12, I found out there's this whole other, you know, organization within the Navy that I knew nothing about. And as a kid, you couldn't believe you got paid to do stuff like that. Right. So anyways, I made it my life's goal. That was it. I was doing that. My dad just said, hey, listen, all I care about is that I want you to go in as an officer. So I want you to get a scholarship. So I did. I got an ROTC scholarship, went to school, went up. I had 25 back then. Like, like the reason I set that up is it was looked down upon, especially if you were a scholarship or an Academy guy, um, in, in the military, it was looked down upon for you to go and choose special warfare, the, the SEAL teams, because back then it was big push. You know, we, we were in the cold war and it was all about the nuclear Navy. It was all about being a submarine or a fight, a fighter pilot or a, uh, you know, operating a surface warfare on, on nukes. Um, I was highly discouraged. And there were 2,500 applicants that qualified for two slots my year wow. as an officer. Um, I went through, I, I won't give the whole story, but I, I basically did everything I could to ensure that I gave it my best shot to include flying to Washington, pretending I had to be there and wow. just showing up at the, at the guy that makes the decision, the detailer. I sat in his office for three days before he talked to me. Wow. Uh, gave me five, gave me five minutes, and I told him, "Hey, sir, all I know is that you know, I, I just want you to know, I'll never quit. I'll never quit. If you, yeah. I know you got a hard choice to make. I know we all look that way. And I figured that's it. That's that's all I can do. And he looked at me and he said, he goes, "That's it, midshipman, because that was my rank back then. I was a midshipman. And he goes, uh, "That that's what you came here to tell me." And I go, "Yes, sir." He goes, "Well, geez, don't waste any more of my time. I'll see you later." Boom. And I'm like, "Oh man, I thought I blew it." You know, <laughs> walking down the Navy Hall, and yeah. it's this, this huge bureaucratic building, and I'm walking down this lonely, you know, nasty hall. And one of the guys, one of the young officers that was in there, uh, he was actually waiting to go to to training. Um, he was a JG, and he ran down after me, and he goes, "Midshipman," and and I pulled over. He goes, "I just want you to know." You had it on the first day. He goes, we just wanted to see how long you'd stick around, you know? Oh, and man, so, the yeah, game's so, again. That's yeah, so, so that was it, that was, you know? And, and I told that. Well, so yeah. I get in, I get in, and, and I fly through training. You know, I mean, I was just, 
and it wasn't fair because mm-hmm. since 12 years old, I knew everything about training. Really All my like studying. Oh, I had I had seal buddies that were there. They tell me where to hike food, what to do. I mean, I was cold yeah. water, you know, from day one. So inoculated. <laughs> but I was yeah, I was pretty arrogant about it, you know, uh, back then. And yeah. um Towards the end, we had already selected. I did every hard evolution. We had about three weeks left. And I had a, a dive, like a no big deal dive. Uh-huh. And I was congested. I went down. I blew my ears. And uh-huh. here I was. And I was already going to the hot team. I was going back then. It was still, if any of you guys have been watching Narcos, um, it was it was still Team 4 that was doing South America back then. And that was yeah. the only action that was going on. And I got the slot to still Team 4 as an officer. So I was totally excited. Yeah. All went up in flames when I went down. Uh, I, I, I was dumb. I did this congested dive. And the only reason I did it is typical young guy. Yeah. The reason I did that was because I didn't want to give up my weekend. I'd have to make a dive on the weekend. <laughs> and, hey, we, we finally got weekends. There were girls. There was beer. You know, yeah. out there. Yeah, um, yeah. I would have played the same thing. <laughs> I knew I knew when the corpsman, when they pulled me up, when I blew my ears, and I won't go into the whole detail, but basically I went into vertigo. I lost all sensation of, of direction. Uh, I was able to pull myself up. The only reason I knew I was okay was because it was a tow line. And yeah. as I'm pulling myself up, it felt like I was going 45 degrees down because you lose Ooh. all sense of direction. So it was really weird. They said when my head hit the, the, the surface, I was slapping uncontrollably blood coming out of my ears. Mm-hmm. Ah. I knew, I knew as soon as, as soon as the corpsman who was in the boat with us looked yeah. in my ears, I knew I was done. I knew it was done. Oh, now, the reason that's interesting, the reason that's key to what we're talking about right now yeah. is because that was my first introduction to true injury to the human body to where okay. no matter, I couldn't gut it out. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, incapacitated. I, I, was, I was incapacitated. And it, to me, I thought it was the absolute destruction of my career, and I was done. It, yeah. it literally, it's the turning point to where, yes, I didn't get to be, get to be an operator. They kept me in as a, an intelligence officer. They trained me up for special warfare intelligence. I got to work an amazing career with the Admiral. But that's where my, my relationship with injury to the human body and, and how it's basically uh, when, when you're facing you know imminent grievous bodily harm, it yeah. truly is the Rosetta Stone to uh, self-protection. Um, yeah. The threshold to use injury is extremely high. You know, I mean, you, to, you would never, this is not something you would just casually do. You know how men, men, men sometimes we communicate with violence, knocking right. each other around, and, um, and that can have problems too. But, but when you're going for direct injury to the human body, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing social about it. There's nothing acceptable about it. It's just necessary. Yeah if you're facing that. And so that's kind of how I got into it. We, uh, when I was in that group, I, I, they assigned me to a command. I had no business being part of, I was a super junior guy with no experience. Yeah. And they put me in this command. It was a Naval special warfare command and the Admiral headed it up. It was brand new. We were, we were literally in trailers, you know, when, when it started, cause they were building a facility in Coronado, but I was surrounded literally at that time by the legends of the SEAL teams. I mean, these wow. guys were amazing and the wall was coming down. You know, the wall came down, the Berlin wall came down. And I know for a lot of the listeners, especially the younger people, they probably don't understand the significance of that. But when it came down, everybody knew, hey, guess what? There's no more Cold War. There's no more huge Russian wave. We've got real, our, our, our potential enemies and our potential actions have completely changed now. They predicted yeah. back then, like Bosnia Herzegovina, they were they were they were doing that, and they realized that the training that we had to deal with the um, the uh, Soviet threat 
yeah. was inadequate for what we were going to face. And I remember, um, I remember one of the master chiefs looked at me at one point because they were talking about, hey, we got to start looking at more seriously at hand to hand because we're going to start putting hands on people again. You know, they, they, mm. they predicted a lot of the, the tribalism that went on all of a sudden, you know, how, yeah. how Europe exploded. And, um, and then they predicted basically what was going to happen, what we, what we saw for the last 20 years over, over in the sandbox. Um, wow. But it's crazy. As a young officer to hear all this, I thought these guys were like, oh, come on. It's not going to be that just, bad. Just, yeah, but, scuttlebutt. Yeah, just talking it was amazing. It, it was amazing. Those guys already were thinking, hey, we got to change our methods now. Our methods have to meet the new threat. Mm-hmm. And so they started looking at hand to hand again. They hadn't really looked at it since, uh, since uh, you know, Vietnam era back then. Yeah. And what was interesting was they invited me to, to be part of it, not because I had any special training. Yes, I had multiple black belts as a kid, yeah. but they liked me, one, number one. I was younger and I could be a really good meat puppet for them. You know, they just knocked me around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're durable. I just want everybody yeah. to understand I was not brought in for any expertise that I had, you know, it was right, just because, right. you know, they, they appreciated the work I did and what I did and they wanted part of it. Um, awesome. What was really interesting was we brought in all these guys from all over and we got brought in some big names. Some big, this is a, now you got to remember also, this is pre UFC. So the, mm-hmm. the, the first UFC had not happened yet. Yeah. Um, the Gracies were training, the Gracies were training. So, so the guys were, some of the guys were training with the Gracies. Um, but what was interesting is that, uh, a lot of amazing combat athletes came in and helped us out. But what didn't translate oftentimes was when you had to wear your kit, you know, and, and the protocols that we put down was, were, were at that time. So, Hey, listen, we want to make these assumptions that the operator is going to be probably minimum 60 days in country, uh, sleep schedules all over the place, probably right. mildly dehydrated right. um, any athletic ability that they came in with is probably se- severely compromised at this point. <laughs> right. And the only thing you can count on is you can count on their body weight and you can count on whatever kit they're carrying. And, and, you know, you have to be able to operate within those parameters. And that was fascinating um, wow. because very few, very few traditional combat sports or martial arts could translate to that. Not because they're bad. They're just not designed to, to do that particular type of thing. Yeah, your your peak, you've been yeah. conditioned. Your and back then it was laughed at. Believe it or not, hand to hand. And again, this is pre UFC. They were like, like right. I had a lot of buddies. The one thing I did in my, in my intelligence job was I liaisoned with everybody, and I yeah. got to meet you know I got to meet incredible people. I had a lot of buddies at DEA, and mm-hmm. um, one of my DEA buddies in San Diego calls me up, and, and he goes, "Hey man, yeah, I don't. Do you guys do you guys cuss?" Yeah, whatever you want. Okay, yeah. okay. Just, I just, I just want to be respectful of it. Not, but he goes, yeah, hey, he calls me up. He goes, uh, he goes, hey man, you guys still doing that punchy kicky shit? And um, <laughs> and I go, I go, yeah, asshole, we are. <laughs> so we're still doing it. He goes, hey, well, listen. He goes, we just got trained by this guy. He goes, he's literally in Pacific Beach, you know. Which is now, when he says Pacific Beach, this guy ended up you now we're bringing people in from all over. This guy literally lived two blocks away from my apartment, you know, like, like, like his, his studio. This is like, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, what? He goes, seriously, he goes, you know, I said, he, they go, he's a real asshole, but you get along with assholes. He goes, so you should, mm-hmm. you know, you should, you should be, be great. And now I've taken that as a compliment because, you know, I just want to be that really clear. I have found the people that have the best information yeah. are, are usually, they, they don't suffer. Very, yeah. They're, they're eccentric. They're like, yeah, well, back then, this is pre, you know, war. It's a little bit different now with the spec ops community. But I've noticed even the spec ops, spec ops community during peacetime, 
true warriors were like, you know, hands off and people that like, it's almost like, you know, break glass in case of war type stuff. Yeah. Those yeah, guys, yeah. those guys, I always got along with, you know, and I right. was able to get extrapolate really good information with them. And that's, that's kind of what he meant by that. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy was no, no exception. Um, I, the, I went down there to look at a studio and I, I swear to God, I would not have come back to the studio because it was this dingy 900 square foot. It didn't even have mats. It had carpet. Oh um, man. And I, and I didn't see any training. I didn't see any training going on because it was closed at the time. And yeah. I'm like, oh, there's no way. I, Cause listen, you like gotta understand. In the right place. <laughs> well, not only that, but don't only that, you gotta understand. I am the most junior guy on this program. I'm only there because yeah. they invited me. Yeah. And you know, I go, I don't want to come off like some arrogant guy, like, hey, I got the guy, you know, he's there. So I was able to think of that. I go, I, I thought maybe my, my buddy in DEA was screwing with me. Mm-hmm. But there was a little trifold that was taped to the inside of the glass. Okay. And I just I went up and I started reading it. And the one thing that got me was this guy was a Vietnam vet, but not only was a Vietnam vet, he was in 173rd Charlie Company of, okay. of, of the, 80, of the uh, 173rd you know, Airborne Unit. Yeah. Those guys, that was Westmoreland, the, the general at that time, it was almost like his experimental troops. He kept them out mm-hmm. in the jungle. They were just, they saw tons of combat. This guy in particular was a, uh, was, was, a, uh, um, was a tunnel rat. You know, he would go in and do that. So... Those two things said, you know what, I'm going to make the time to come back. And yeah. so I come back, I, I sit in there and I kind of have modified uh, grooming standards because I'm, I'm representing the Admiral in a lot of different things. And sometimes we have to, we had to look civilian. Okay. Um, and uh, so I, I blended in, I kind of looked like a surfer. I didn't say anything about being in the military or anything. And I just went and sat in the back and I watched yeah. these kids who were out there and they had, they had geese on like traditional, you know, geese on, but like a yellow belt. I remember this one kid in particular who ended up being a really good friend of mine. Still yeah. one of my instructors, my instructors that works with us. He had a yellow awesome. belt on. And the first thing I saw him do, a guy came at him. He strikes him to the side of the neck, comb grabs his hair, knees him, knees him to the groin. And then as the guy's coming down to the groin reaction, a knife comes out of nowhere, a rubber knife, but it comes over yeah. nowhere. And he just starts, you know, stabbing guy, take him down. And I'm Jeez. like, you know, I grew up, my, my, my family's from Boston and my, mm. my great uncles were, uh, um, were, were Boston cops. And my, you know, I was used to, my, my uncles would fight at the drop of a hat, you know, and that. <laughs> but, it, but, but that type of violence is very different. Um, I tell a story that my, my uncle one time, I'm coming out of a, he's getting a haircut yeah. And he's got the whole thing, he got the shave, the haircut, the whole deal. And he was dressed in a nice suit. He wasn't a gangster or anything. He actually, you know, was in real estate. And, uh, yeah. but my, my uncle was a tough guy and he comes out and this kid's lying on his, on his Cadillac. Oh no. Punk Irish kids, you know, a couple punk Irish kids were there yeah. laying on it. And he said, and my uncle's kind of calm. He goes, Hey, uh, it's my car. Could you get off it? And they're like, what are you going to do about it? Old man. And you're like, oh. guy, before the guy even even gets another word out, Monkle had hit him, took his head, bounced it off of the uh, the front of the uh, the car, bumper there, yeah, bumper, <laughs> yeah. He boom, 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 drops him, kicks him twice. The other kid takes off running. Jeez. He gets me in the back of the car. He drives away. He looks back at me. He goes, "Hey, don't tell your mother about this." <laughs> so, so, so when I say this, when, yeah. I, when I say the reason I say this is because yeah. I used Not to think foreign. that was normal. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, my grandfather, most other kids are getting taken to the circus. My grandfather, the first thing he got us were boxing gloves. Yeah. Box. Yeah. So 
So I was very comfortable with that idea. I realized when traveling around as a Navy kid, I realized, oh, guess what? <laughs> the rest of the world doesn't do this all the time. You know, this, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, this may be unique to my, my Irish Boston background here. Um, yes. But the reason I say that is because that triggered right away. When I saw this kid, do. Yeah, I go, hey, this isn't, you know, all the stuff I had was very formatic martial yeah. arts, mostly Korean at mm-hmm. the time, which were great. Got a lot of positive things out of it. But this looked like the real violence I had seen on the streets, the stuff I'd seen people do. And I said, wow, they're they're mimicking. I've seen stuff like this before, and it doesn't look anything like what I've been training. So I, yeah. I, I was I was amazed by it. And I ended up meeting the instructor. The instructor, I thought he was like the janitor. He comes out, he's got like a big Aloha shirt on. He's like 140 pounds. And he's just kind of looks like a burnout surfer. And he's talking to kids and stuff like that. Well, that was him. That was the guy, you know. And, and his name is Jerry Peterson. And he, he was just, he saw arcs and angles other people didn't see. He wasn't a formally educated guy, but he understand, he understood injury to the human body. When I saw that, I started training with him for about six months. Um, and then I was training with the, the command guys. Yeah. We were training two to three times a week on whatever was going on. And one of the master chiefs noticed one day, he goes, hey, you've been moving differently. You've been doing things differently. What are you doing? And mm. I just said, oh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this stuff. What stuff are you doing? I go, well, I've been training with this guy. What guy have you been training with? Yeah, yeah he's like, guy? give me the answer I'm looking I'm like, for. <laughs> and I was sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm this know-nothing knucklehead that they've invited. And I'm, you know, I'm going to be embarrassed. Because the other thing that I didn't tell you was mm. this guy hated lifers. He hated people. Like he was a Vietnam era guy that got drafted. Yeah. And uh-huh. he thought you were a complete idiot if you stayed if in the military. Stayed, like, yeah, like he had yeah. contempt. You know, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, and in particular, he hates the Navy and he hates the SEALs because he thought they were like glorified in, in Vietnam, didn't yeah. really do the, you know, the real work. So anyway, I had that to deal yeah, with we have all in back in my head. And, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, man, I'm going to do it. Am I going to have to really do this? And so I bring him in. And what people say a lot of things about about him. And I agree. I'm not on his Christmas card list anymore. Yes, he's a functioning sociopath. But I will tell you one thing: when you can you can criticize his personality all you want, you can't you can't say his methods weren't highly effective. And at the time, it yeah. was, there was nothing like it. Mm. The, the reason he got in was I brought him in, and literally it was like we bring him into the skiff. We did the whole thing, and and uh, you know he gives a briefing. These guys tracked right right away. They they tracked on his bona fides. They checked him out, and they got his DD two fourteen. They saw all that stuff. They got in and started giving some questions. A lot of Vietnam era guys knew, you know, where they were operating and there's back mm-hmm. and forth. And they actually had pretty good rapport, which I was like, oh, good. You Thank know? God. I'm not looking like, oh, <laughs> man. You know, because I begged right. him. I go, please, please, please. Don't tell me you're real, what you really feel like. Yeah. Go, just, just be nice, you know. Well, they had a situation back then. It was uh, then SEAL Team 6. You know, they were, that's, that's how, how everybody knew. But it was then SEAL Team 6. Yeah. They had done a shipboarding um, about four years prior. And I had a couple of guys that were there from that unit. And when they got on the ship, they were going through a hatch. And so, the, you know, it's typical lineup, typical stack up that, that yeah. came in. They're going in to get the bad guys. First guy goes through, lead guy goes through the door. Second guy gets jammed up. He gets jammed up and, you know, a, a bad guy grabs him and is monkey okay. with him and blocking the rest of the team from getting in. Uh, and the other guy's fighting for his life inside, you know, in there. They eventually no. worked it out, but they were saying like, hey, that was the first question they gave him. Yeah. And before they even they finished it, and you got to understand, 
he hadn't done anything since Vietnam there. So it's about probably 15 years. He wasn't up to date on the latest weapons or any of that kind of stuff. He could care less about it. He oh. saw the arc thing. He, he stacked up all these guys and like, you know, I'm talking like, you know, hardcore dudes. Then, yeah, then he, like they stack, he stacked them up. He comes in the guy, the, as the second guy comes through the door, they jam him just like the way he was. And Jerry, Jerry looks at the guy who's jammed and he goes, drop back, sit down. Guy drops back, sits down. The guy goes forward, pulling the the, yeah. the weapon. It was an MP5, goes center line, right on the guy. And you can see, okay, yeah, they would have killed this guy. And the door opened right away, and the rest of the guys got in just like that. Man, that's that's what got us into the teams. It wasn't it wasn't you know punching and kicking or anything like that. It was literally that, and that's why those guys perked up right away because that was the missing element. Nobody was able to clearly at that and, and we're talking we're talking 80 88 89 um at that, at that point there was nobody that in the community that was having those conversations and this guy yeah. just easily could do it and that's what started the program and then um you know we did it for years we worked uh you know i became an instructor in the military and then i left the military and continued as a contractor with that company and he and i worked together right till before 9-11 and wow. he just he just had a, a, a break off and then i thought i was out of the business at that point and, you know i was still doing work but a lot of people started contacting me saying hey there's a void here <laughs> he's not he's not responding to our calls he's not doing yeah. seminars can you can you just start setting some things up and i tried to keep it under the original name he didn't want me to do yeah. that so that's when i came with target folks training what was interesting was i never saw myself as a guy in fact i still feel that way i don't I feel like I'm the biggest cheerleader for this methodology, yeah. but not the guru stuff. I mean, I take what we do really seriously. I just don't take myself seriously. You know, mm -hmm. just, I think there's a little bit too much of that in this in this uh, world. It really um, is, 100%. So, but I, I'm very passionate about, about getting this, this specific information out, you know, which right. has nothing to do with a lot of other things that are other people are awesome at training. You know, right. I, I've limited myself to this, this, this narrow window that I find fascinating. Um, so when, when we started doing this in the military, it was a couple in military and law enforcement, what was really interesting was I quickly found out that the more highly trained somebody is to, in the use of justified lethal force, mm -hmm. the, 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 the incidences of, it's like with the police, the incidences of excessive use of force or in the military, Try to, trying to quote unquote pressure test things out of the bars and getting themselves in, yeah. in trouble, all that went away. What was really cool, when you focus on injury of the human body and, and you go into the areas that we're talking about, yeah. you realize even at, the, at, even at the training uh, speeds that we do it, and we can get them pretty, pretty good. You, you can ramp somebody up pretty quick. I mean, you start out slow and accurate, but right. you can get pretty, pretty good. You realize that if you're taking a, 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 an injury to the pathological limit, with somebody they they learn right away oh this works this will you know, that, that would this, suck like, like yeah, that yeah. would it, suck. It, so it, so it's really interesting in, in the fact that the training was cooperative not competitive yeah. meaning i'm going to allow you to use my body and you're going to be able to go into the most vulnerable areas of my body because i, trust I don't even you. like to let you yeah exactly <laughs> and i trust you i trust that you're going to allow me to do the same thing and i'm going to do my best to model what the injury looks like so that you have this this pattern and what was fascinating about it was guys that were 
like, like we had this happen in the SEAL teams. There was one individual and he was known as the hand-to-hand guy. He's a very good kickboxer, very good, you know, fighter, quote unquote. Well, we had another guy that was just a chief. He, he was a random chief, really hadn't done anything in boxing, hand-to-hand, anything like that. We trained him up. And the the thing that got into was he, they were at a bar. And I mean, I'm just going to completely, you know, destroy what I just said. Yeah. Um, but he, they were at a bar. And, of course, it was over a woman. Yeah. And the hand-to-hand guru expert started coming at him. And this guy just, you know, this kid gets knocked back a couple of times. And then he just he said, you know, he goes, Tim, all I remember was Jerry just saying, if you can't think of anything else, just backhand punch kick. And, yeah. and Jerry, we did these drills where guys would just tear through people hitting targets on, on the human body. He beat the crap out of this guy. And, <laughs> and, and everybody knew. And what's interesting is with that, no, no, I'm not glorifying this, but what I'm trying to say is the interesting thing about injury to the human body is it's, it's a great equalizer. None of us can handle injury to the human body. So nice. had it been a competition, had, had that been like a formal kickboxing competition or anything like that, we all know how that would have turned out. Right. You know, but what was really cool was I learned that, you know, destruction as a skill set is available to everybody. Ooh. And and if you if you train destruction, um, you can you, I have people in their late 70s. I think the oldest gentleman that got back to me so far is 81 years old that, that, uh-huh. that used this. And, and again, I, you know, what we train people to do with injury wow. and destruction is. Um, is the idea that a predator gives you an opportunity. They have not injured you. They, they, you know, you can still think and move and they brought Mm -hmm. themselves close enough to you because they do not fear you. And they don't realize that they've just given you this huge opportunity. And and if I teach people how to exploit that opportunity, there's a good chance they're going to be able to save their own lives. And, and that to me was, was, was fascinating. And it's humbling too, because I tell people all the time, hey, man, I truly am. I'm, I'm a master close combat instructor. I've trained just about everybody you have heard of and haven't heard of. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've had a great career. But if I walk out that door and somebody hits me with a pipe to the back of the head, I go down just like everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Violence mm-hmm. is only good if you're the one using the tool. And, and that's a hard thing for people to understand. Yeah. But once you accept it, it's, it's, it's truly freedom. It changes you know, because, the game, yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of how I, I got into this. I hope that covered it enough for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. And that was a journey. That was good stuff. Yeah. So, man, you were talking about, um, you mentioned in there um, different types of violence and uh, really the difference between uh, injury and the difference between just, you know, hurting someone when it comes right. to, uh, combat, man. And I think this is so significant, especially for civilians that don't really understand, you know, like, yeah, you might have a baton or you might have some inanimate object that you're going to try to use, or, you know, but when it really comes down to a, you know, force on force, mortal combat, it, the person that can really wound or incapacitate the other person first wins. But would you mind just going into that a little bit more, just open their minds up to the reality of that? Yeah, we we um we define injury to the human body as a decrementation a, a decrement of function, and, and that's it. Meaning, I could care less whether the person feels pain. 
right. because pain is just a, an arbiter. Mm-hmm. It, it's horrible. Everybody has different levels. And you can fight through so it. Some people, you bend their finger back and they'll capitulate. Other, guy, mm-hmm. other guys, you can break all five of their fingers and they'll keep coming at you. And they're you know? bringing so, it, so yeah. It, it, it's not really, now he won't be able to grab, you know, with that hand, but but there's still other things. Um, so, I, you know, what, what you really have, you know, when your life's on the line, you want to make sure that objectively what you've done to the human body, it, say if a radiologist looked at it, he said, I don't care what this guy's feeling, that's not going to work. Yeah. You know, that that's there. And, and that's that's the goal behind it. And so with injury, you're, you, you're either going after a either the structure of the human body or a sensory system of the human body, and you're shutting it down. You're either shutting it down temporarily for while you're in the engagement, or it can be permanent damage, meaning you could strike somebody to the solar plexus, get a really great result out of that, but all right. things being equal, as long as the person doesn't have, you know, um, you know uh, pre-existing conditions, uh, they're going to recover from that, you yeah. know, they'll be fine. Whereas that same strike to say the throat, you're going to crush the cartilage and you're going to asphyxiate the person within, you know, three to five minutes if he doesn't get medical attention. So mm. the idea of, with injury is what you want to do is you want to put enough trauma in the human body that you trigger an autonomic re- uh, reflex, a, a spinal reflex reaction. And, yeah. and all that is, is we've all experienced it. If you touch a hot surface, your hand immediately comes off, you know, it's not like you keep it on the stove and go, Oh, wow, it's burning my hand. I better pull it off. Meaning the brain doesn't consciously do that. What happens is the body yeah. goes into action. There's afferent and efferent nervous system gives, you know, stimulus. And when the stimulus is great enough, it overrides the brain as, as the stimulus is coming up the spine to tell the brain what's going on. Another immediately gets sent down saying, Hey, get that off it now. And you come off. Now during that time, of your reacting to the trauma, your brain is out of the equation, meaning no matter what you want to do, right, you have to respond to that trauma. And so what we did early on, this is like the big thing that changed up when we were training operators was the idea of injury to the human body takes the other person's ability out of question. You're not, com- you're not competing anymore. Cause you don't want to find out how good somebody is. Cause they will show you, you know, I, yeah, I don't want man. any of my people to, compete. we don't want to fight. We want to stop yeah. the fight. <laughs> and, and I gotta be, I gotta be clear on this too, because I live in you. I, I live in Vegas. I have mm. tons of buddies literally that not only work for the UFC. I know a lot of the fighters, the friends, yeah, it's their ecosystem. man, nobody is a bigger combat sport, you know, uh, fan than me. I love yeah. it. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Um, so I, I just want to make sure that everybody understands it's just combat sport has a very different goal. Right. And the idea behind combat sport, I mean, last time I looked at the rules, there were 31 rules to the, to the uh, UFC. 27 of those rules prohibited, uh, you know, uh, direct injury to the human body. Right. So the only way you can gamify violence, which is what, you know, those contests are, is if you take out direct injury. It's safe enough. Yeah. Well, because it yeah. has it has no place. Yeah, it really has no place. In my goal is not to maim, cripple, or kill my opponent. My I want to better him with my skill set, and I want him to be able to compete again. You know, and, and the end of it. And it's interesting. Like where I had my training facility here in Vegas, I was right across from the top MMA gym my buddy owned, and I used to go there. They had a great uh, uh, workout place. They had a great you know a training place in addition to you know training um, MMA. Um, so I'd go there, I'd lift, I'd, I'd hang out with the guys, I'd do some training. And man, it was the most positive place. I mean, they played incredible music. It was, you got to work the, watch these world-class athletes training awesome. for a fight coming up. They were so positive, like helping each other out, picking each other up, bro-hugging each other, 
it was cool. It was awesome. It's exactly what you'd expect out of a sport, you know? Yeah. Um, if you went across the street to my place and we had a training going on, there's no music. It's <laughs> silent. Nobody's yeah. talking to anybody. It's just, you know, a body would hit the ground every so often. And that's it because that's the, the idea. There's, there's social, which we yes. all are extremely comfortable with. And then there's the asocial, which is the predator's world. Yes. And if I can tell, if, if I can de delineate for my clients, the difference between asocial um, aggression, not violence. I, sometimes people say it's, it's two types of violence. It's not, it's aggression uh, where people are just rude to you. People get, you're seeing a lot of it right now because the yeah. political storms are so heated. Sure, people are doing stuff yeah. after being cooped up as long as we've been cooped up. And then you, put on all of the issues with, you know, you've got the, the George Floyd situation, you've yeah. got the, you know, now the rioting. The COVID situation. Everybody, COVID, just, everybody's just, the, the tinderbox. You can't have an opinion going. without, like, being part no. of a gang. Like, well, like, yeah. This is just what I think. Like, I'm not here to fight you. you know? Exactly. Like, you, you so cannot, charged, man. It's crazy. Stuff is being politicized that never should be politicized. Yeah, like, can we just talk nuts. about this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't have to hate me. <laughs> and what's interesting is, is, is now it's, it's a very challenging time for people because now my my training, people are calling me all the time going, so glad I had your training because, man, I so want to respond to this guy. I so want to do this, but I'm not yeah. going to do it because the problem is, okay, it's antisocial aggression. It's eminently avoidable. Now, mm -hmm. your ego may be, get, you know, they take a hit. Yeah. You may, you may, you may do. I, I tell a story. Um, I went to pick up my son when he was 10 years old. My older son is 25 now. Sweet. And I was doing it. I was down in San Diego and I was doing a, a course down there. And that's where my son lived. And yeah. he was going to go hang out with my brother for a day. My brother uh, sells America's cup. And at the end of the day, we were all going to go to lunch after I was done with my son. Or I'm sorry, to dinner after my son. Mm -hmm. So I pick him up at his mom's house and I'm driving away and nothing's happening. Guy coming down, barreling down as I pull out, almost hits us and yeah. just keep, keeps going. And he's all pissed at me because, you know, he thinks I deliberately did this to him and I, and I didn't. Yeah. So he's it's, convinced. <laughs> it's just, he hits a stoplight. I come up, uh, I come up here. My son is, it's a passenger seat. This guy's over here. Yeah. He starts just giving it to me, you know, boom. And at that time I just got one of my first tattoos during that time. And he goes, Oh yeah. I like you tattoo. You think I kick uh, your ass? Blah, blah, and he's blah, just blah. pushing he the buttons. He's in, trying in to find my the son, dang yeah. button. Yeah. And I'm just like, Hey sir, sorry. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that my son's sitting here holding the magazine and he's just looking back and forth at this. And and I can't believe this guy's lost it so bad that he sees I have a little child in the car. I haven't been aggressive. I haven't been aggressive to him or anything. And yeah. I'm like, Oh man, something's up. And we're, we're stuck. I can't, I can't go. So anyways, he goes and he just takes off. And my okay. son, my son looks like, dad, you know, you're, well, why didn't you, why didn't you get out of the car? You could have taken him and stuff like that. I go, you know, Connor, I go, you, you might be right. I said, there's, there's a good chance if it had come to that. Yeah. I could get over there and I could take care of the situation. I go, what if he had a gun? What if, what if I was wrong? What if yeah. I did something to him? What if over yeah. inadvertently I used, whole... I used violence and did that? I'd have to deal with that. And I said, what would that do to us? He goes, but yeah. dad, you're this guy. And he holds the magazine up. It was my first black belt cover. Heck yeah. And so <laughs> you're so, this yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. He goes, you're this guy. You know, he's a little yeah, kid. He's, like, yeah, he's, yeah. It's like, and it was funny. And that was my opening story for my seminar. You know, I said, yeah. Hey, if you don't think I wasn't raging inside and just wanted to go out and just, you know, especially in front of my kid and do this, I said, right. yeah, I go, it took every ounce of restraint right. for me not to take the bait. 
I said, but I had a choice and that's why, yes. you know, yeah. because you had a choice and it was a painful choice. Right. But I made the right choice because that wouldn't have passed the three day test. And when it was a three day test for me, the three day test is this. And you have to do this prior to events like this happening. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, if you get triggered and you're going to, you're going to respond to a certain event, a stimulus three yeah. days later, if you find yourself you still be, uh, six feet yeah. under or sit in a jail cell, are you going to tell yourself you had no choice? It was righteous and I did the right yeah. thing. Mm. And very, very few things meet that threshold. Yeah. And, and that to me is the most important thing. If I tell people, man, you, you don't ever want to use the tool of violence. You just don't. Mm-hmm. It's not something, it's something you use to survive. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk to people about it, um, the way I try to equate it for new people is I'll usually get into seminar. I'll ask everybody, um, Hey, how, how many people know how to swim in here? Yeah. And usually it's a good, good portion of the class raises their hand and I say, okay, keep your hand up. If you've ever had to swim for your life. Mm-hmm. And I have, I've had two situations where I had yeah, to swim for I, my life. I, you know? I have two, man. And you know, those hands keep up. I go, okay, everybody has their hand up that had yeah. to swim for their life. Would you ever want to experience that again? Heck oh no yeah. man that's a good example that, that's, and it's like oh, that's, man. that's violence that's that real is, violence. man because it, it, it's if, yeah because if somebody's <laughs> bragging if somebody's bragging about oh i did that i kicked this guy's ass that means they had choice they chose to respond with a tool of violence really and it worked out okay that's they didn't end up killing yeah. a guy or something or getting you know seriously hurt so yeah. i'm never impressed with the people that brag about it, brag about it yeah. uh, usually when you talk to, to people that had to survive violence and were heroic i mean they're amazing yeah. You got to draw it out of them and you mm-hmm. can just see they don't they don't ever want to experience that so, ever again. And I see that a lot. Well, of course, you know, being in the private security industry, dealing with all the folks we deal with. Well, the first thing I want to mention is what you were talking about with not allowing that other guy to 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 drive you, draw you into violence. Yeah. In my opinion, that's strength, man. That's alpha yeah. stuff. And I really want people to understand that, that that is discretion, that is strength, you know, being able to really be uh uh, sober-minded enough to be able to make an intelligent decision under the stress of the situation and let your ego take some shots, but know why you're doing what you're doing. That's real strength and discretion and strong, real, truly strong humans exercise that, you know, and it's yeah. an internal strength that accompanies that external strength. And that's truly healthy strength, healthy ego. Cause you need your ego, but that's healthy ego. You know? oh, yeah. Um, so heck yeah, man. And then on the violence thing, um, yeah, I, you know, being, you know, in private security, you get the tough guys, you get the once upon a time guys, and everybody's yep. like the most special forces, most, you know, and you hear these guys bragging about stuff where you get the ones that are like, yeah, man, it's about to go down. And you're like, you don't understand, man. <laughs> like, there's a lot of chance in this game yeah. we might be about to play. And it's just, when you're fighting for your life, it's like, it's horrible. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like until it's over, you're just like, and you're managing and you're moving. And it's like that swim for your life analogy. Yeah. You know, you can get pretty inoculated to it. Yeah, you can. But man, when you come out the other side, you're like, thank God. (laughs) You know, and your boys are with you you and you're like, okay, okay, we made it. That's how you you don't want to have to feel again. You bring everybody out. You hope to God that's the last time you got to deal with that, you know? Deal with that. (laughs) You know? Right. Because it's there, but it's funny. And people like they 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 romanticize it, and they, yeah. they don't really. I mean, to me, the, what I try to tell people, you know, violence doesn't solve anything; it just ends it. It ends communication. And so, what I try to tell people all the time is that, you know, and if they haven't experienced something like this, you know, if you if you haven't if you haven't had a, a, an incident where 
you see somebody who's maybe being aggressive or, or, or the, you know, the quote unquote, the bad guy. Yeah. And then they're, you know, the, a lethal action gets taken against them and that, that body's just literally there. It's yeah. not that person anymore. It's not, it's just a, an inanimate object that yeah. all of a sudden all that gets released. It's a, it's a very strange thing. So I try to tell people, if you beat up a guy who's an asshole, you don't kill him, mm-hmm. but you beat him up, right? Yeah. He's still going to be an asshole. He's just yeah, not going to be an yeah, asshole yeah, around yeah. you. You know, exactly. you know, you know, violence isn't really necessarily a behavior modification. It just ends communication. And so mm-hmm. the tool is a really imprecise tool for for social change. You know, it's really your last resort because you're devoid of choice. You you, you right. had no choice, you know, um, and, and understanding that threshold, I think, is one of the greatest things we in the industry can do for our clients is to give them really clear parameters on when it would ever be thinkable to do that and the juxtaposition on that is okay and th- this is where people drop like a lot of people talk about prevention and all this other stuff and avoidance right, stuff. Right. but the reason I, I i i did the book the way i did because the real question is okay there's a lot of information on that side mm-hmm. what about on this side when violence is the answer what do you do you know how do you yeah. train somebody to do that so that to me is a fascinating question and then I'm the first one. Oh, once it's time, great. Here's how you tear apart the human body. Here's how we right. decrement function. Here's how we, you know, and we're going to do it till the person is, you know, incapacitated, meaning they're going to be non-functional. And non-functional for us means that the person is either injured in such a manner that they're no longer a threat, meaning right. even if they're a, a conscious, they can't manipulate weapons or do anything at that point. They're unconscious or they're dead. That, that's true. To where you can safely turn your back on that person and they're no longer a threat. Yeah. And then that's where I, that's where people get jarred up because they love all my peace and love talk, you know, ahead of yeah, time, right, which right. I, which I'm not denigrating. I, I, I truly, that's truly huge, but also you can't lie to people on the other side. If it's going to happen, you need real information that gets real results and you, you got to give them the best chance. And I haven't found anything better than direct injury to the human body. Yeah. Um, man, for, for that purpose. Awesome. No, I 100% agree with you. Um, one of the things you were talking about uh, in your book that I love is kind of not knowing uh, what someone else's social, their rules are, you know? Right. You know, I talk about leading with respect and I talk about how every, anyone can kill you, <laughs> you know, and, and you live your life that way, it's a better life. Um, but would you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the mindset behind, understanding like interacting with humans and as you see something escalating as you may get plunged into a situation in life nowadays you know considerations with regards to people you're interacting with and and you know all that stuff uh something that stuck out to me and and really you know i i try to give a story first so people will kind of cut it so i i'm living in san diego uh during those years when i'm a young officer my brother when he wasn't sailing, my brother's a big dude. He's bigger than, way bigger than me. And he was a bouncer at a bar called Jose Murphy's. It was on the strip, yeah. right, right down on Mission Boulevard. It, back then, it was a biker bar. Every Sunday, the Mongols would roll in, the Hells yeah. Angels. It was, it was just, and the bouncers there, these guys just, they, they were just they're monsters. They were, they were amazing, yeah. yeah. One guy, Mike, like a really good, really, 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 really good dude. This guy, was yeah. a, I, he just had a bad day. And yeah. it was closing time one night and he, you know, they'd already had to kick out a bunch of jerks and there, 
little guy. And he's ready to be home. He's ready to be oh, yeah. He's he's drunk. The lights he's like, I'm on, over it. You know, like, it's like, hey, ain't got to go home. Up. Just can't stay here. Yeah. Yeah. So he co- he co- he come around once and said, hey, last, you know, you know, we're finishing up. We're closing. Lights are on him. And this little guy was just sitting there. He's probably like, he's probably like 5'8", about, um, probably about like 140 pounds maybe or so. Like just a little dude. Unassuming. You know, like compared to Mike. Mike was 6'7". He was 300 pounds of pure muscle. The guy was just a monster, you know, and, and uh, yeah. just just a physical phenom. Um, right. And this is the guy who's regularly used to beating the crap out of Hell's Angels and stuff, you know, so he's not. <laughs> like you he's know, inoculated. Like, he yeah, understands the game. He's there. Yeah. But he's also, you know, up, he, Mike always was a, was one of those guys that, like I said, he, he on a normal night, this never would have happened to him. Mm-hmm. But this guy sitting there just drinking his beer. Mm-hmm. And Mike says, hey, time to leave. And the guy goes, okay, I'm just going to finish my beer. He goes, no, I already told you to finish your beer. And he just hit his hand out on him. Yeah. And the guy ends up going over uh, his, his, uh, his bar stool. Okay. And then Mike steps up over him. Now, now this guy, like I said, is much smaller. He's got this behemoth up above him. Yeah. He's standing there. And all of a sudden, we just see him dig something out. And one, two, he cut his Achilles. He cut Mike's Achilles. And he went and cut in on the femoral. Woo! Right, right, right. Wow. Here, right so away. he like went all the way. Got up, got up and walked right out the door. Super calm. None of us knew what happened. I was just hanging out with everybody and I yeah, saw it. Yeah. We watched it, but it was one of those things. It happened so smoothly and so quickly that you saw Mike drop and you didn't know what happened. Then you saw the blood and everything. Now, luckily, they saved him. They, they saved him. They, they, they were able to get him. Mike was there, but Mike, you know, still to this day, you know, uh, is, is uh, you know, has, has a limp from that. You know, the Achilles is just that. This guy knew yeah. exactly what to do. And what was really interesting was, you know, that was his threshold. You knew nothing about this guy's background. Man. You know, yeah. obviously that was not the first time he's been had to do stuff of. like that. And he's probably, you know, felon. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll never know. But to me, it was like, damn, why be that way? You know, you know, you don't yeah. ever want to be that. You never know who you're dealing with. I mean, right. To look at the two guys, it'd be like, you know, this monster. And then this little Everyone guy would have been betting on Mike. Everyone would have been like, Absolutely. Mike all day. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, that hit me. I was probably about 20, 22 yeah. when I saw that. And uh, that resonated with me. And, and I, you know, we, we jokingly say this, but I, I do mean it. I find it's best when you're operating. Listen, if you're within your, your group, your tribe of people, your friends, yeah. I mean, sure, you can, be a, you, can, you can be jerks with each other. Because yeah, you have right. that social understanding of, okay, you know, we're, we're having depth this of relationship yeah. and all this stuff. But we walk out that door. We have no idea who those people are. We have no idea right. what the background is. We have we have nothing there. So I I operate and I, I I always tell my clients, I said, I try to operate like everybody is six seconds away from a shooting spree. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't want to be the guy that's gonna trigger it. Right. Know? Yeah. So man. I will give I'll give everybody that initial respect. Respect um yeah. for that. And it's funny because people always say, God, you know, I met Timmy, such a nice guy. And you it's a strategy. It's, it's a survival it's, strategy, man. It is a social yeah. engineering. Uh, and I'm yeah. the same way, man. 100 percent lead with respect, disarm everyone, all yeah. everywhere I go. My smile is probably my best weapon, you know. Absolutely. Bring the tension down and just you know, because you just never know who anybody is in the zoo. That guy with the pop, 
pocket protector and all the pens at work might come in and shoot the yeah. place up one day. One day, oh, yeah. I want to be Absolutely. like, I was always cool with you, man. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, and and that's so important that, to have that. You know, keeping your ego in check that way and understanding them. And like I said, Mike just had a bad night in, in that end. But yeah, but for man, me, it was a lifelong bad. lesson. Um, yeah. and and being nice, like I know you probably feel this too. Like like if you if you come off kind of nice, I know yeah. as soon as they start like getting not aggressive with me, but you know how they like you know how guys like oh okay I can do this to him. They take the shot. I go I got you. Yeah, I, I know that yeah. guy's no problem because he has no yeah. idea. That if you what? know he, he thinks I'm this yeah. this person, that's why I, I want everybody to think I'm just a nice guy. I don't want anybody exactly. to know I've been trained. I don't want anybody to know nice. I know anything until I need yeah. it. You know, because exactly. I, I, I'm the first one to understand it can it works just as good on me. You know, and I don't want to yeah. give anybody a, a reason um, to do or that. a chance so, to prepare. You know, it's yeah, all warfare is built on deception, man. Like absolutely, if this is gonna happen, you know, it, it's I want it to stack everything in, in my corner, man. That's that's. Yeah, and I'm also the the other thing too that I'm I, I I'm really with, with my clients, and this can people can get a little annoyed when I say this. Uh, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not I'm not putting anybody down, but I think we're doing a big disservice to clients when we do quote unquote civilian clients when we're doing scenario based training. That's yeah. like okay, so you're at the bar, mm. and I'm like okay, really. really? <laughs> Is everyone at the bar? Really, you're at the bar. Okay, so we're going to yeah. start with alcohol in there, a place that we easily could have left earlier if we see things going sideways. Yeah. But you're, you're going to start here on how to bar fight, bar fighting 101, and the things that can go horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting, the thing that, that sink, sunk that into me on, on, on that was there was famous video that, that went out in the, in the early years of the internet, uh, and it was it was clips from Boz Rudin giving a self defense uh, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Boz, and then awesome. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah oh, there it is. The whole thing, and then you do this, and you just now all that yeah. stuff that he showed highly uh-huh. effective. Like oh, I told yeah. people all the time, I go, but the reason, and I, and I show it to clients, I go, why are you laughing? And they're laughing because they realize the context that it was shown in is just a fast track to the prison system, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or dealing with, with with lawyers. I mean. The, the threshold that he used the violence on was just, you know, it was thug. It was thuggish. It yeah, wasn't, yeah, it, wasn't it was there. street. And what was really interesting was I heard him in an interview years. I got to meet Boz a couple of times, and he's always been a super nice guy. But I thought this was super telling. He was in an interview. Um, I can't remember. I don't think it was Rogan's podcast, but it was it was something along those lines. And he's talking about being, I believe it was in Copenhagen. He's either Copenhagen or Amsterdam. yeah. God, he was he got in a fight with a couple of Moroccan guys that owned a okay. bar and he took him out back and he beat this one guy. He took the one guy down. He beat the other guy to the point to where he thought he killed him. Oh, that's always sc- that's scary. Yeah, he was, covered, <laughs> he was covered in blood and he went yeah. back to his he went back to his hotel room and he's sitting there and he literally he goes, I was sitting. He was telling yeah, me whoever like, the interview oh, was. Man. I was sitting there just waiting for the cops. I yeah. figured I was done. And he said, probably because it was, you know, probably because it was a criminal class, they probably didn't report it and they probably yeah. did, but, but, but he was beating himself up because he realized it didn't have to happen. Yeah, man. And, 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 and he didn't want to do that. And, and I thought that was really cool that he told that story. And I've kind of always used that because he's so, he's such a funny guy. And those videos yeah. are so well known. If you're into self-defense or, or seen them. Yeah. Sports, you've seen them, they're classics, you know? Yeah. And, and so I thought that was really a, a good thing to tell people because, you know, my message to people is 
you absolutely should train uh, to protect yourself, but everything should be on the threshold of when you use a firearm, meaning, yeah. you know, people ask me all the time, what, you know, Tim, you know, without getting into all the laws and giving people a stack of things to, to recognize, I said, people go, when would you ever use the training that, that you have? And I said, well, if you're in a situation where if you had access to a firearm, you would feel justified emptying into threats or threats in front of you. Mm -hmm. I said, that's when you'd use the type of information that we're putting out because that's the only place it's, it's, you know, it, it's not only just legal, it's the only place that's even where useful. The demand is on you yeah. for it. Yeah. And, and educating people to that point is really cool because even if they don't train, what it, it, it makes them much better citizens. There's a behavior modification mm -hmm. when people are introduced to true violence. Yeah. That they, they want to avoid it. They want to minimize the chance of it coming in their life. So people make better decisions in their life. You know, yeah, they don't put themselves in those positions where potentiality for violence is, is right. there, you know? And I think because that's a huge thing we can do too to people. Yeah, I think when you understand it and you know you're capable of it, it's it's um I mean the romanticism of it is 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 uh it's like the antibody to the romanticism of it in a lot of ways, you know. Um and it's it's much more healthy and and then also your understanding can help you have, and hopefully training can help you have some more consciousness in the in the event, you know, because I've, I've been through events where I've been like, okay, you know, we're doing damage to this guy, but I don't need to go that far. It looks like he's incapacitated. Now I'm going to stop. This is as far as I need to go. I need to figure out what the other threats are. And there's this consciousness that you can have if you have the right training in these situations. And then you can, you can have, um, you can have more peace with yourself at the end of the altercation. When you know, you went just as far as needed to be as you needed to take it. You dealt with the exact threat and, and, and it wasn't emotional, you know, it right. wasn't out of control. It's not like, Oh, I see red when I get angry. Really? Really? Yeah. I don't know if that's where you want to be in a combat situation. You know what I mean, like, yeah. I know it's not actually. I tell people all the time, they'll say, they'll say, you know, oh, am I going to be this, you know, I'm going to respond with just killing, and, you know, kill sets and stuff, because I, I they try to pigeonhole me that way, too. Like, it's just yeah. kill, kill, kill. And I laugh, and I go, you're not going to do anything that's going to break your moral code. You know, whatever your moral code is now, the training is not going to violate that. If you're a sociopath, you're a sociopath. Does it work, you know, people right. are like, does it work great? Does it work well in a bar fight? It works great in a bar fight. It's awesome right. stuff. I mean, it'll work, but is it? what you want to do? No. Um, and what's interesting about that is when people understand the threshold, um, like you said, I, you know, I've had, I had a, a, a chiropractor. He was 51 years old at the time we trained him. Uh, three weeks later, he was coming in and he had a small pharmacy uh, in mm -hmm. his, he was like a, he was a chiropractor, but he's also, his partner was like a DO or something. And so they had, they had drugs there. And he came yeah. in on a Sunday to do some paperwork, saw a guy breaking into the little pharmacy that they had. When he entered in, he entered in an angle where he didn't have an exit. It wasn't, he came, so, he came around, he, he, he literally was in a funnel. You're going to have to earn his way out. Yeah, this <laughs> guy recognized him. And what was interesting was, here's a guy who literally had never had a fight in his life. Mm. And he recognized me, the guy, they, they locked eyes. The, the guy started to try to like, you know, run at him, but, but to grab at something. Yeah. And he comes, he comes towards him. He's problem. running towards him. This guy runs toward him. They get into a door, uh, door, uh, way. Yeah. He hits the guy, the side of the neck, the chiropractor hits him to the side of the neck, grabs his head and just repeatedly hits two to three times into the door jam. It was a, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was a, a steel door jam. 
boom, boom. And then he notices the guy just drops. Okay. And there, that's when he would have, that's where, where the next thing, he probably would have stomped him. He probably would have stomped on his throat, did something if he felt it was still necessary at that point. What was interesting was he recognized non-functional. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like the story you just told, meaning right. I don't, it's done. I don't need to go. This guy's no longer a threat. That's out there, you know, you don't just do some automatic movement, you know, but but yeah. you understand because you're very familiar with what it should look like, mm-hmm. what what it, it does. Like we didn't teach him, you know, comb grab the hair and yeah. slam <laughs> into the door jam. He right. understood, hey, opportunity, you know, here's something really harder than me that I can use. I know where to, to jam his head, you know, right. to knock it down. I can get this done. And, and that was basically it. You know, nothing sexy about it, but it worked yeah. highly, you know, highly effective for what he's mm-hmm. trying. So th- that's the other thing people need to understand. Studying violence does not make you violent. Right. It, it absolutely. Like I, like, yeah. <laughs> and like I was telling you before, like, like the justified use, you know, justified lethal force reduced incidences with law enforcement and military units of on, you know, either excessive use of force or, you know, yeah. inappropriate use of violence off, off duty. Um, right. So it, it, it's there, and that's. It, it, I know it's a justification. It's a hard thing for for civilians that aren't, you know, around this kind of stuff to think that they think people are just naturally violent if you are training this stuff all the time. And it's like, no, not at all. No, like, actually, you're more you, peaceful. You know, you're more you peaceful. Know actually, firing. yeah, yeah. You, you probably you probably run into guys who like their their credentials are amazing, and they're usually the nicest guys. They're, they're the nicest really cool. guys, the most yeah. legit guys, man. Yeah, and no ego, like, nothing. I mean, I laugh. Easy going. They're just like, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. People say to me all the time, they go, well, you know, they'll, they'll mention some guy who's like big in the in the media or something, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah. You know, what do you think of this guy or whatever? I'm like, yeah, I, I go, he's if he's acting that way, I go, it's either an act or it's something else. I said, because the real dudes don't do that. You know, they're no. they're not like that. They're they're super squared away. I laugh all the time. If you didn't I tell know, people, you probably wouldn't oh, yeah. know. Like you'd run into no. at Home Depot or some social event, you'd have no idea until someone was like, do you know who that is? And well, you yeah, like, really? like <laughs> both of us, both of us are like bigger guys and stuff. And yeah, so, so you kinda, clients, I have clients come in. Oh my God. You know, looking like you, I go, are you kidding? I go, me, I go, I'm yeah, the first yeah. one to go. I'll be the first one to shoot. I said, mm-hmm. no, I go, I don't get scared when I see guys like me. I said, I said, if, if any of this deters people, you're not the they person don't know I'm worried about. about combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The guys I know, they're nondescript. They're anywhere from like five, you know, like like five five to maybe five yeah. nine, anywhere from 140 to about 170 pounds. Yeah, nondescript. I see a group of those guys walking in with their duffel bags. I'm out of there, man. Cool, I know. I, I do not want to be around. You know, yeah, um, that's the truth. That's funny. yeah. Uh, let's see. What would you say about? Um, yeah, that. Uh, and when you study violence, you can, re- like you just said, you can recognize people that are yeah. most fit for violence as well, which is another protection tool. Um, what would you say would be the hardest lessons you've learned in the field, uh, teaching or training, or just out there? The um, most people don't want to train for violence. <laughs> okay. You know? Even though it's the skill set that we all as humans need, meaning we all need it. People want to, um, they have an idea of it. A lot of them want to train for competition. I think that's why like the military, it's funny, I talked, I get, I get, there's a famous trainer, you yeah. probably know the name, Rex Applegate. And uh, he was World War II. He was the guy, he wrote Killer Be Killed, which is one of the classics 
um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in military hand-to-hand combat. And he was amazing. He was one of those guys that, that taught all the guys at the OSS that went overseas and stuff and pretty brutal stuff. I mean, the, the, the training's improved since then, but I tell yeah. people to read Killer Be Killed all the time just because of the, the terminology. He's a very blunt talk about, you know, violence. We don't do, we try to, wow. I mean, my stuff's pretty, <clears throat> I try to make it as direct as possible, but back yeah, then they could that. actually talk about real violence, you know? Um, right. And he was bemoaning the fact that military hand to hand had turned to more of a competition based esprit de corps approach rather than being part of your combat training, you know? Um, hmm. And, and that, you know, he, he just thought at that time, he thought the Marines were the only ones that were kind of taking it seriously, which, you know, Rob, Marines are fantastic. I, oh man. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, it was, as a Navy kid, I grew up, man, the freaking Marines stepped up every time for us. Our dads would be gone. They coached our little league. Oh, they man. helped us out. Awesome. I worked out yeah. at MSGRD. I did, yeah. I mean, my, my, my thing with the Marine Corps, I love those guys and they're always cool. That's and, and, uh, and yeah, it, it was the coolest thing because, you know, especially with kids when their dads are deployed and stuff, you know, you're looking for positive role, uh, role models. Master and I got to say, models, yeah. the Marines were just fantastic that way. And they always made you feel welcome, even if you're a Navy kid. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so what, what people, um, what, what, what people don't understand is there's no payoff. Uh, there's no um, reward for being good at violence. You know, it's not like you give me a, you know, do we have an instructor system where you can go up? Yeah. But it's not because you're winning competitions, you know, it's because, Hey, you're progressing in the system. You're doing very well and you're very good at passing on the information, but there's no, there's no payoff. Whereas, you know, Hey, I got a black belt in my jujitsu. I'm there. That's Mm -hmm. a huge accomplishment. It really is. And it's very positive in there. Violence. You don't listen when you're destroying parts of the human body. So they don't work anymore. you, You, there's a very, you're not, bettering somebody with skills that are, are not going to leave the person permanently damaged. You're doing things to somebody that they're, they probably, if they survive it, will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And the threshold for using that type of information has to be huge. And quite honestly, most people are comfortable, you know, training all the time in it. I mean, I put 30 years into that type of training. I feel very comfortable mm-hmm. with it. But like I said, it's a very small group of people. Now I get but for me, it's not because I enjoy the violence part of it. I enjoy, it's a challenge. I, the subject's a challenge. I think it's a, a part of society that, you know, your self-protection is, is your, you know, it, it's one of your rights. It, it's yeah. something we all have the right to protect ourselves, you know? And I think so many people have, have abdicated that right. Mm-hmm. First responders who yeah. are fantastic, but they're probably not going to be there when we need them. Yeah. And you're responsible for yourself. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think people are realizing that, like I said, man, you got your, you need food, water, shelter, but you need to know how to protect your trash, yourself, your loved ones. Um, With all these gun sales being, you know, going down now, people are starting to wake up and it's, it's great, but it's also scary. You know, it's a a very interesting thing, man. I, 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 I think like even hearing you talk, I'm terribly interested in studying, you know, the target focus system. Um, and I, I, and I think for me, I see violence as a tool to empower me as a protector, you know, yeah. and like, yeah, I'm a professional protector, but that's why I say protector by nature and by trade. We all, everybody who hears this thing's got people they need to protect, yeah. you know, whether, or they got themselves that they need to protect. You know, I feel like it's, it's, I want people to realize this is a crucial skill for being 
know, I think a healthy, formidable, capable human and being able to be a good steward with the stuff you got, you know, um, it's, it's, it's not for everybody. Cause there's some that are just, oh, yeah. just, they're just internally configured differently. But if you have that thing in you, that you're drawn towards these things, it's not because you're evil. You, know, you get to decide whether you're good or evil on a daily basis. Once you become powerful, make that decision, whatever. That's your ethos and your character. But this is, is I think it has something to do with maybe you're a protector. But either way, you know, be able, you know, learn to be able. You know, what would you say would be, we were on the hardest lesson you learned in the field. And that was that people tend to shy away from being able to stomach or want to even train violence. Right. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's something that, you know, it's really important to understand because when it happens to you, you don't want to be out of a fish out of water, <laughs> but yeah. what would you say would be your proudest moments in the field? Uh, proudest for me was when I started getting feedback from people kind of along the same thing, but it's interesting. It, it's, it's mostly comes from the people that have, you know, whatever, whatever it, maybe it was a two day seminar. Yeah. Came through, and that's it. That's all they want. You know, they were exposed mm-hmm. to it. It was in there. But what they'll do is they'll call me up. And I think I said it earlier, you get this call that said, hey, before I got exposed to this information, I this situation happened. I would have done this. And yeah. now, because I don't want this to come in my life, I, you know, I have a different behavior. I mean, I call it, I call it sleeping with your head in the railroad track. You know, a lot of people don't know that they're sleeping with their head on a railroad track by their behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and the risk they may be taking and by exposing them to the, the information, they realize that, geez, all I got to do is take my head off the railroad track. And then it doesn't matter if the train comes because it's not going to affect me. And yeah. that's, that's huh. the coolest thing for me is, is the feedback of, of getting that from somebody who said, Hey, um, you know, I have no interest in training like you train all the time, but yeah, man, that information made a huge difference in my life because I avoided something that I would have unknowingly, unwittingly gone forward with that probably could have got me killed or really grievously hurt. And exactly. and to me, I think that's the biggest thing. I think I think I think if we if we as an, an industry can tell people that hey, we're yes, we would love you to train, and, and there's that opportunity. And you do need to have some basic understandings of, of, of you know, violence and how it, how it operates. But the payoff for you is the fact that you're going to inoculate yourself from 99% of the avoidable stuff that's out there. Yeah, you're going to be able to see through the matrix, yeah. man, and you're going to be yeah. able to move and get your people out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and to me, that's, that's, that's rewarding because, you know, I had the whole ego stuff when I first said, oh, my God, I'm going to go train this unit. I mean, my mic drop moment. Was I was in Prague, Czechoslovakia at a huge convention uh, yeah. of, of these amazing business entrepreneurs from all over the world that had speakers. Uh-huh. And I, I was given my presentation this group. And obviously, you know, we we're training, and everybody's training there. And I, I knew some of the guys that I saw there that we were attending because there were a lot of heavy hitters at this. We had like King of Jordan and all these other people. Yeah. So this one gentleman comes up to me after and he said, I just want you to know that was the finest presentation on hand-to-hand combat i've ever seen and he, did, he was he was at the time the head of mi6 Whoa. And, and so when you, <laughs> you essentially have m come up to you and just yeah. like, boom done like, i could have okay. stopped i can die now. <laughs> you know, right. you know? um, yeah wow yeah but it was, it was cool you know so i'd had a lot of experiences like that over the years 
where people, you know, were affected and, and they liked the, the material that came out. What you'll find also too, and, and especially if you're training, you know, the, the, the methodology that I'm training, you know, justified legal force, you'll find that a lot of people are supportive of you mm-hmm. and, and they like it, but they're really uncomfortable. Like I got people that just, it. yeah, it's hands off. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to train, like, but you know, you. I really, like, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I learned to respect it because people will yeah, tell me yeah. like somebody, <laughs> you probably, you probably had this, you probably had a really cool client who comes in, they love the training there and they go, I'm going to tell all my friends there. I'm going to get you 40 people. I go, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not. You might get no. one other person that might want to do this. I said, trust me, man. I've been doing this for years. In all the years I've been doing yeah. it, I have had zero family members take it on a basic course. Zero. And, yeah, and yeah. I've had two friends that took it to instructor. But that And that's me. That's, that's with me. Like, if you're a friend of mine, yeah, I'm going to extend yeah. this to you. But, so I... Either it resonates with you or it doesn't. Or it doesn't. And, that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, it's, it's really weird. But what I have found is learning the ins and outs of violence and how it operates is extremely valuable to everyone. Yeah, it's you never know? a and bad you, idea. You can always share that, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you if you judge everything by how many people want to continue training with you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You yeah, know, it's, just, it's just not that. It's very interesting. Yeah, man, that's I think kind of with that protector nation concept. And I'm, I'm. It's an honor to be able to have you as one of our subject matter experts. We roll that out, man. That I'm looking forward to that. Um, that'll be fun. I, I yeah, no, it's gonna be awesome. I, I think that's what I'm finding is that there. I mean, we've been protecting each other since the beginning of time, you know. And there's like a demographic in 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 every nation in the world of people who want to be protectors. And I'm, uh, we're going to tap into that and we're going to help train and influence those people positively. Give them tools, give them the tools they need to succeed, man. Yeah. You know, that, that, I think that's that's a great life's work, you know, for me at least and for us, you know, to join forces. You've been doing it already, but <laughs> that was some water to get into, you know. What would you say about just a few other works that you've done and, and then we get into the closing questions. Um, so target focus training is, yes. you know, we talked about that a little bit. We talked about when violence is the answer. Love that that uh, book. How to survive the most critical five seconds of your life, surviving the unthinkable. What'd you say about those pieces of work? And then anything else that you've got going on? Surviving surviving the unthinkable was a game changer for me. Um, it was my first uh, formally published, uh, truly, you know, industry published book. I did it with Riddell back then, and it all came out of a relationship that I had with Tony Robbins. He was, he, out of the blue, Tony Robbins, man. He out of the I blue became, um, became a client. It was weird. We, I didn't yeah. realize we had a mutual friend and yeah. Tony's the kind of guy that, you know, I, I'll just say this and you can probably appreciate this. Uh, mm-hmm. I avoid celebrities like the plague. Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's not everybody. I but, understand what you're but saying. Normal, normally they want, like, they basically want a guy to hold mitts, you know, and like hang out with and stuff like that. They don't, they never want to train in a group or anything. So I make it pretty difficult for people to do that. Tony yeah. came to me, he had a real situation that he was concerned about, especially with his wife. And, um, so he ends up training with me around his 50th birthday. So he just turned 60. So we've been friends for 10 years yeah. and he, he trained with me. Now I made it hard for him. I said, listen, um, I, I don't know if I told you, my, my wife is a, uh, is a captain with uh, Las Vegas Metro oh, wow. and, uh, and nice. she was back then she was at the Academy and, um, I was training a bunch of undercover narcs, um, 
in this class. And so imagine guys that look, it looks like a, a cross between, you know, all the characters and sons of anarchy. And these guys all were, were good. And I throw Tony in with them. And he says, yes, he'll do this. I go, well, if you want to, I go, you can do you this. Can I go, hang out with, with yeah, the boys. You can't, you're going to have to work with other human beings, you know, um, mm-hmm. and do it. And I expect him to say no. And shit, he says, yes. I'm like, well, and you're like, oh, crap. I got to train them, you know? Yeah. So I, t- so I tell the guys, I tell the guys, hey, listen, somebody's going to join training. I said, you're probably going to know who he is. I said, but, you know, no bullshit. Just we're going to do the, we're going to do the work. Yeah. So we go through the work. And I got to say, I, I have not had this experience. I probably had it with one other celebrity. Tony was amazing. No ego. Sat there. If he asked a question, it was pertinent. It was in yeah. there. He worked with all the guys. He didn't. He didn't do the Tony. You know, he didn't do the you know the Tony Robbins thing. Yeah. And and it was great. And, and he he really helped. You know, with, with that. And he he got it. And I was like, huh. You know, the That's thing that awesome, stuck it. Man. The thing that stuck it for me Not with happy. him though was at the end. At the end of the class. Now uh-huh. again, imagine all these hardcore looking dudes, right? Yeah. And Tony says, hey, Tim, he goes, I really appreciate it. He goes, can I just thank these guys for allowing me to crash in their class? I think that was really cool. I said, yeah, Tony, go ahead. <laughs> Byron, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> All of a sudden, these guys, ah, they're holding this in there. You don't understand. You're the reason I'm a cop. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, I'm sitting there going, I'm going, oh, Jesus. You like, right right now, guys. I'm like, seriously. We held you know, it together for the training. Boom, boom. Yeah, but they did. They, they, they held it until then. Um, yeah. But was was really funny was and the other reason <laughs> I'll just I'll just say the other thing that really sunk yeah. in with Tony is okay these guys are cops right they're they're yeah. they don't make a lot of money so Tony asked him he goes oh have you guys ever gotten any of my course or anything like that and they're like yeah. well yeah I always wanted to but I just never did he goes well I got one coming up in Long Beach he goes you know it's like a couple of weeks away he goes just tell Tim he goes I'll 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 get you in and in back of my mind I'm like. Oh, I'm like, well, another celebrity who's bullshitting and doing this thing. not going to do anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. So sure enough, because a couple of the guys came up to me and they really wanted to go. They said, hey, Tim, yeah. you know, do you think he meant it? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the back of my mind going, I'm going, well, never the, hear from <laughs> the base ticket for this one, I think it was like Date with Dustin. That was one of, one of his ones. I think it was only like 99 bucks for a basic ticket. So I had told yeah. myself in the back of my head, I go, if this asshole doesn't call back, I said, I'm just buying them tickets and I'm going to send them. And I'm just going to fix um, them. Yeah. So sure enough, I, I reach out and Tony, you know, Tony goes, dude, he goes, I'm going to have my assistant call you. He goes, if you take care of him, give him the names, everything. Boom. And that was it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I do, I tell the guys, boom, sure enough, they, they get tickets and everything. And a couple of weeks later, I see the, the, the three cops that went mm-hmm. and I go, how was it? And they go, how was it? They go, you didn't hear? And I go, what? He, <laughs> he oh, gave no. them access to the platinum group. Yeah. That alone was a $5,000 ticket. They yeah. met people. They never would. He never said anything about it. He never, wow. he never was like, Oh, I'm going to do this. For, he just yeah. did it. And yeah. he took such good care of these guys. And just, and to me, that was like, dude, whatever you need, I'm there. You know, and I train yeah, his people man. all the time. I train his platinum group and he's taking me wow. around the world doing stuff. But that's awesome. But the, what came out of that was he told me, he goes, Tim, he goes, he goes, women need this information. That's was one. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to write something specific oh, for the women. Question. That was surviving yeah. the unthinkable. He gave the, the forward to it. And wow. he also went above and beyond, introduced me. He introduced me to his uh his uh agent. Yeah. And, you know, his book agent. And she told me, and she was she's pretty big in the industry. And she told me, she goes, yeah. I've known Tony for 25 years. He goes, he's she's like ever. This. 
He's never told me I had to meet with somebody. So I had to figure out who the hell you were. That's why I'm taking this meeting. And yeah. that's how the book, that's how I started. You know, that's how I started. Wow. Because before I had to self-publish books and stuff, but that brought me up to a whole new level. And also women, it was really interesting. We went to, uh, we went to a, uh, one of the seminars I was doing for Tony and it was a couple hundred people in the audience because it's, it's a pretty elite group. They're paying a lot yeah. of money. So it's not one of his big, you know, multi thousands. And so he says to everybody, he goes, listen, I'm not saying anything's happened, actually physically happened to you in the last week, but right. how many in this audience have seen the potentiality for violence in, in there? What was interesting was maybe five, 10% of the men, maybe, yeah, no, very few. 95 plus percent of the women, the hands went up because, really? and the reason is women are attuned to, it's always in the back of their mind. The unfamiliar guy gets in the elevator, you know, uh -huh. they, they constantly, they're constantly aware of the potentiality Good. for violence where you yeah. and I wouldn't notice a lot of this. No stuff. one's really hunting me generally. Yeah. yeah. And they, they <laughs> see that. so, yeah. so that's how the concept, you know, what's cool is to be able to take my, my, um, information because the information is the same for men and women. I'll train men yeah. and women differently, but damn, you better communicate right with each gender, you know? Right. right. And, and women, I had to communicate why. And, and the sad part about women is oftentimes they feel, it's almost like they, they don't feel like they're worth fighting for their own life. Meaning their yeah. life is worth protecting. It's just worth it. Yeah. But if you trigger them, if it's a mom, like a, yeah. you say, hey, what happened to your kid? Well, she turns into a, just a she-wolf. Goes the back. extra, yeah. Yeah, so what I do track. is I take that back. I go, no, 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 you need that for you. Because look, if this guy disrupts your life, your family doesn't get access to you anymore. You know, no, how dare he? The fallout is ridiculous. And yeah. and yeah, and so it was really fun you know, taking the principles and it was a challenge for me because I, I, my, my female clients other than operators were probably, it was never more than five, five, maybe, maybe a big class 10% would be females. Um, right. This resonated and I got to meet some high power women and really bring a lot of great information to, uh, to women on this. And, and it was really fun. It was, it was really unique. I wow. never would have done it though. I, I never would have done any of that. Yeah. That was all Tony, you know, introducing me to that and just kind of pushing me in, in, in to do that. So I'm always thankful to him for that. Wow, man. Yeah. That's awesome to hear that about. I, 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 I went down the Tony Robbins rabbit hole probably about a decade ago and did the, his strategic interventionist training and all that fun stuff. And it's just helped my life in so many different ways. It's like, yeah, it's about psychology and helping people. And it's helped my life. in so being able to deal with all that type of stuff and uh, it's been great, man. That's awesome. All that's awesome. I'm gonna have to consume all those books, man, and get some more people training with you, brother. It's gonna be good. Um, yeah, 100. percent um, Favorite quote or mantra? They are all leaving your head right now, probably. Probably, <laughs> but, yeah, um, right. probably, but uh, I actually. Um, it's funny you're saying that because I, I just saw one the other day. Yeah. Uh, that that hit me. I mean, the one the one that always yeah, is it, the, the whole idea of like the the, the Jeff uh, Cooper that, you know, good men are, you know, if, if, if you don't stand up for yourself, basically, I'm paraphrasing it, but if you don't stand up for yourself, you know, nobody else is. It's the idea of you taking yeah. responsibility for yourself first, I think was always important um, yeah. when it comes to that because uh, and being you know, able there's to. Just, 
know? Yeah, and, and, and the whole idea, like, it's it's a it's really your human right. I mean, you, nobody has a right to to take away your ability take to life, liberty, and happiness. You know? Yeah, man. And uh, we we seem like we all almost in this day and age, we kind of treat stuff like that like a buzzword rather than you know a, a like guy a giving right to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this this whole idea of uh, you know, I, I really hope after this political situation calms down, we get back to being, uh, you know, that we all get back to being yeah. one group, you know, working in yeah. unison. Like America. They're, they're just, they're just <laughs> trying to divide us again. They're just trying to divide, mm-hmm. you know, do stuff that it's, it's not what we're about. And if you travel the rest of the world, like I have, you yeah. know, you see stuff, we don't realize, listen, we are imperfect and, and right. constantly, but damn, there's no place else in the world that gives you the ability to do things that, that this country gives, even at our worst, we're better the than the best of, of some other places, you know, hundred um, percent. and that's why people are crawling all over themselves and walking across the desert and doing all these things to get here. Cause they know the truth, you yeah. know, um, you talk to anybody that's had to live under, under that type of a regime or, or those type of, of yeah. uh, constraints, environments, man. You know, the cool part about it was, I just remember, I, I wish also more people, I really wish I, I guess say national service, you know, my, my experience is the military because I never yeah. saw it. I never saw it. in the military. I never thought of gender. I never thought of color. I never thought right. of, you know, race. My guys, if you're a jerk, right. you're a jerk. It didn't matter who the hell you were. Yeah. Like, hell, you're I make fun of everybody work. equal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I worked with, far, I had farm boys. I had guys from the inner city. I had got, you know, people that had different life experiences than me yep. and we all had to work together, man. And we all yep. had to figure it out. And I think, I think our country would be a lot better if, if we had, you know, right now only 3% of, of our population is even involved with uh, military or national service or anything like that. And I, I do think that would help unify us a lot more if we got yeah. back to that, you know, 100%. it doesn't have to be the military, but, but just, I think, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, uh, people will say, well, what do you think of, like, the Spartan races or Duck mm-hmm. Mudders and stuff? And those are great. Those are fun. Mm-hmm. But when people say, well, yeah, I think I can do, like, you know, the military training, I go, no, no, no. I go, here, here's where the military training it will come in. Your little Spartan team that you're putting together, I'm going to choose your team. And mm-hmm. it's going to be random. And it's not going to be anybody yeah. you know, nor, nor like. I said, plus, I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to eat. I'm going yep. to tell you when you can eat. You only have as much sleep as I told you. Yeah. Oh, and your equipment, your equipment is going to be what we give you. You don't get any right. of your whiz bang stuff and no you work within those parameters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that to me is far more valuable than, you know, and I'm not putting down, listen, those, those are tough. Those things are cool, and everything. Yeah. They're super cool. But what I'm trying to tell people yeah. is the real challenge really isn't the event. The real challenge is throwing a bunch of people from, backgrounds that are all over the place and getting them all to work together under conditions that they often do the same stuff. People tell me all the time, they go, they go, uh, Hey, how come you don't like jump out of planes anymore? You do this kind of stuff. I go, because the military squeezes all the fun out of all they that. They do, stuff. man. They really you know? do. Like by the time you're a civilian, you're like, I don't want, like, like I barely <laughs> come back into camping and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I'm like, exactly. Yeah, they got showers. I'll camp if there's yeah. showers there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my uh, wife laughs at me all the time about that, you know. That's so real, man. No, and that's beauty. It gets back to the humanity of it, man. Yeah. You know, like and I I've I've said it, I'll say it again. I wish everybody in America had to go through like just a two-year, just two-year run, you yeah. know, just two years, get you yeah. some 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 of that stuff, some discipline, some oh, yeah. inoculation, it, distress. It, it'll change your orders. life, man. I mean. 
Believe yeah. me, nobody likes nobody likes being told what to do. Right. But the idea there's a, a I forgot who said it, but the idea was you know you can't lead if you can't follow. You that know, and is and so good in having to work within rules that oftentimes you may not even agree with. Not that yeah. they're unethical, but you may not agree that that's the best road. But you still have to do it. It teaches you so much about how to live life. You know, oh and, my and, gosh, um, and life, yeah, life valuable. Heck yeah. And if you can learn to be a good follower, there are some serious perks to being a good number two, taking care of your leader, covering them, making sure they look good, making sure they're healthy, giving them, letting them take the credit. They also have the responsibility. You can make or carve out a real good place for yourself, even as a leader than being a servant leader. Like these are principles I'd love to see more in our our reality. That's good stuff. Um, Another deep question. How would you like to be remembered brother? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think of myself in those terms. Um, mm-hmm. I only because I just, you know, I, I've seen so many people that I respect that, that I've read about, you know, people from hundreds of years ago that, um, they're still relevant today, but they're not as relevant. There's some esoteric people that, that I just think are, are very interesting in their principles. But what's interesting is the idea they had has survived and yes. it's going on. And all I'm, all I'm hoping is that, some of the work that I've done <clears throat> continues on. That's what I mean. Not continues on with Tim Larkin's name on it, mm-hmm. but that that methodology, that that, that trans body of work, this idea yeah. of the injury to the human body being mm-hmm. an equalizer. I hope somebody can improve upon it and make it even better. And I'm sure with some of the new technologies coming out, we're going to be able to do some really cool things from a training aspect yeah. that will help accelerate training. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, from an industry standpoint, the only thing I'd want to be remembered is is kind of you know somebody that that was really cared about the client. You know, like mm-hmm. like the client. I, I've always had a client focus. It doesn't matter how good I am at what I do. I mean, if you came away from a training and you said, "Oh my God, Tim's amazing the way he moves this or does that," I've failed. You know, it's what can I get you to do? You know, because I'm not going to be there when it happens. And yeah. hero worshiping an instructor really is useless to you when it comes to your own self-protection. It's, it, yeah. it, am I serving my clients and are they, are they, you know, making better decisions, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that's really the thing. And it's not because I don't have an ego. I absolutely have an ego. I just also it. have, yeah. I just look at, I mean, I mean, imagine there are probably some amazing people like, you know, even 200 years ago that we don't, mm-hmm. we'll never know about. It's just, uh-huh. it's a, you know, it's very rare that, that a name survives. But I'm hoping a methodology, I, I really hope this methodology will survive. And that, that's my, my greatest, um, my greatest hope for the future. So it, yeah, it doesn't awesome. answer me specifically, but kind of what I hope but that's the aim. it out of what, what, my, what my, my life's work was, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's the aim. That's great, man. I got this Albert Einstein quote I butcher every single time, but essentially he says a hundred times a day, I remind myself that the life I've been afforded has been bought on the backs of, you know, thousands of men and women over the ages. And basically that I, I can't die before making my contribution. I just think that's just so beautiful. Um, yeah. That's good stuff. And um, last two questions, habit that you think people should imp, uh, bring into their lives that can make them better people or better protectors. Consistency. Um, and, and I know it sounds vague, but the number one thing I see from people is they either are, are too ambitious with their goals and therefore are not consistent. Okay. Um, I would rather mm-hmm. see somebody progress, you know, the, the kites in approach of, of incrementally, 
on there. I think that's probably the biggest. Once I learned kites, and, and I learned it through weightlifting originally, meaning the okay. two and a half, the two and a half pound weight, you know, huh. and that idea of just adding two and a half pounds, and then guys even make one and a half pounds. These incremental gains that you get without destroying yourself. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I sat there and said, you know, I want to, I want to lift the, uh, you know, two hundred pounds. You know, when I can't even lift a hundred pounds. Yeah. at that time and you know you're there but that idea of being patient and incrementally seeing that i think i think the problem with a lot of people is they especially in this day and age the attention span is so bad that they don't want to put the time in like they, they want everything yeah. quick and fast they want to hack they want something there mm-hmm. where sure there's, just this the weird, there's this weird thing of just if you're consistently doing something over time one day it compounds it just yeah. happens yeah it just happens and then it's part of you it's really yeah. you and to mm-hmm. me i think uh you know getting you know, you know if you can in this day and age if you can teach yourself to truly focus on on subjects for it doesn't have to be for long periods of time but if you on a regular basis can do some deep thinking and some deep practice um that's probably the greatest gift you can give yourself because listen, it's not going to stop. We can complain about our attention spans and the fact right. that, you know, we got huge technology companies that are just trying to monopolize our attention and, and are very successful at it. If you can just every so often just rebel against that and, mm-hmm. and actually put some really good deliberate thought into things, um, your life's going to just really be much more rewarding. And um, it, it's, it's a challenge. I tell people all the time. I mean, I think the number one threat, right now to everybody's personal security is, is this, this thing. Yeah. They're like, they're like, don't show the, the phone. Don't show. Yeah, but, but, but these yeah. things, they monopolize us. They monopolize our sensory yeah. system on there and we go internal and we're not aware of the rest of the world. You know, not, I'm not even talking just about situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't understand. I, I show a video um, that it's just amazing. It's in Seattle and it's on a yeah. bus and a guy is walking down with a gun on the bus and he is literally robbing everybody. They're all stuck on their phones like this. You oh know, the whole time. And, and Byron, the most the craziest thing, he gets to one kid and the kid has his phone and the gun's right here. And the kid goes back like this, sees it, actually does a great move. He, 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 he blades off, he nails the vector, gets it out of the way, passes the gun, He's driving the guy forward, all good stuff, right? And then he has the phone in the other hand. So he has the mm-hmm. phone like this as a bludgeon. He dropped cool. the phone. Yeah. No, he's going to use it. I'm, think, I'm thinking, oh, cool. He's going to use yeah. it as a bludgeon. Yeah. He's trying to tuck it into his pocket <laughs> because he's so. He's, now, now think about what the, we, uh, it's crazy. I, uh, this is how I opened, I did a talk at Google and I said, how the hell am I going to get a hold of the guys at Google? When I did yeah. this talk, I go, that was the video I showed because they could all relate to it. And I tried to say, I go, look, I go, this guy had a gun in his face. He's facing, you know, grievous bodily harm. And yet this thing is so persuasive in his he's life. Protecting like a family he's protecting <laughs> it. He's literally yeah. shoving it into his overcoat as he's going forward yeah. with this guy. It, it's the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. And um, yeah. I try to tell people, I go, you know, that's how powerful these things are. And, and you have to understand oh, yeah how addictive they are. And, and you just need to start recognizing these things. The operant classical conditioning, all the different yeah. mechanisms that are being used on us, man. Yeah. It's, it's something to be aware of 100%. That's great stuff. This has been a great conversation. It's been an honor to finally get connected. We've been chasing each other around, man. It's, 
It's it's an honor. Um, where what are you up to these days? Last question. Where are you up to these days, and where can people find you? Crazy. Your target focus training is the main website. Uh, you know, uh, Instagram. It's Tim Larkin TFT. I'm on Facebook. You, know, you can pretty much find me. Um, yeah, if you follow, if you, if you go to, if you go to the website and, you know, if you liked what I had, I send out a newsletter that goes out. It's not spamming you. It's, it's not trying. Sure. I'd love for people to buy product, but I'd much rather, if you like the way we were talking about this information, I'd like mm-hmm. to give you, you know, some more information and see if, uh, you know, anything's of interest. So, um, yeah. that would probably be the best place to check me out. I've done a ton of, you know, like interviews like this, Mm-hmm. Over the years, I have a TED Talk and a Google Talk. Those are those Sweet. are pretty good, um, and you'll find it if you just Google me. You'll you'll you'll, you'll find all that. But as I was saying, Brian, if anybody in your world after seeing this has more questions, I'm more than happy to uh, to answer any additional follow up questions or anything like that for for you guys. Because uh, first of all, you're you're tenacious. Everybody should know you're freaking tenacious because you you did not give up on me. <laughs> And, Thank uh, you. Anyway, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Byron does not take no for an answer. But I, and I didn't say no. I just, we just were missing each other's schedules. So. Yeah, cool. man. No, it's trying to bring the best, man. Trying to expose the world to all these awesome folks like yourself that I've been, you know, that I, I see in my world that I see and that I, you know, follow and pay attention to. It's like, man, good people should understand these things, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. By the grace of God, that's my drive, you know. So I think I'm glad it's that, you know. So that's awesome, man. Awesome. I'm looking forward to all the other cool stuff we're gonna get, we're gonna do here in the future. So thanks. Thank well, you. Appreciate your time. Yeah, 100. It's an honor having you, and uh, looking forward to talking soon. And uh, all right, take care. God yeah. bless. December five, man. Boom. You got it, brother. Boom. Yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, You'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.